2: Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect.
3: Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.
4: Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And with the holiday season in full swing, we wanted to talk about the night shift because I have a feeling that year round, well, I don't have a feeling. I know statistically year round (laughs) that a lot of people work the night shift, but especially during the holidays, more of us might be picking up a graveyard shift, perhaps as a temporary seasonal worker, or if you're in more of a manufacturing or transportation kind of job, uh, night shift work probably picks up during this time. And this is something that we don't talk about very much when it comes to Workplace issues, a lot of what we talk about, especially in the podcast, are focused on nine-to-five jobs. Yeah, uh, night jobs definitely present their own
0: specific benefits but also challenges. And I was really interested in the research that Kristen and I did as far as... Uh, how it affects women and what women have to do with night work in particular, because right off the bat, you might just think, well, how is this a women's issue? How does, you know, what do women have to do with this? Like men work night, night shifts too. And that's absolutely true. But there are some very interesting parallels between the decision to work a night shift or the fact that maybe you feel you have to and your perception of motherhood and what being a good mother is.
4: So first off, let's talk about how many people are working the night shift, what kind of jobs they have, and why they choose to work while a lot of us are sleeping. Um, so the big conversation about night shift really kicked off in 2004 um, when the Bureau of Labor Statistics reported that about a fifth of full-time workers, or 15 million people in the U.S., work the night shift. And since then, there's a very good chance that that number has only grown, particularly due to the global workplace and technology influencing things. Um, but that 2004 stat is the most recent data that we have. Yeah, and and from that data, looking at
0: specifically numbers between 2001 and, and 2004, more men than women did work alternate shifts, but the percentage of women certainly is growing. And from that 2004 data, about 5% of working women, or just over 3 million, work the night shift. And that's coming from the New York Times. And, of course, the number is growing thanks to our global 24-hour workplace and technology.
4: Yeah, and this kind of work is far likelier to be more blue-collar work than white-collar So. The kinds of jobs most commonly associated with night shift work include leisure and hospitality. Um, The very fact that if you want a Taco Bell grilled stuffed burrito at... One in the morning, you can get it because someone is working the night shift. Uh, mining apparently has a lot of night shift work involved. Transportation, flight attendants mm-hmm. listening probably know this well, or pilots listening. Warehousing jobs, uh, the arts and entertainment, the things that we go see after we get off of our 9 to 5s. Emergency care services, uh, so a lot of nurses will work the night shift. There's been a lot of research specifically on the health impacts of night shift nursing. Also custodial, uh, jobs. People who come in and clean up our offices after we leave, clean up our schools. And also protective services like police officers, firefighters, and then there are the call centers. This is where the global workplace and tech really intersects with this. And in fact, there's an entire book about this out of a, a researcher at Stanford called Working the Night Shift, all focused on how this has created an entirely new industry for women in India mm-hmm. with call center work.
0: Yeah, but it's, it's such a broad, topic with so much depth, because it's it's not just like, oh, well, all of these women in India now have all of these jobs available to them. It, it also accompanies a really kind of disturbing conversation about sexual violence and patriarchal cultures in countries like India, where all of a sudden women are in the workplace and they're traveling to and from work at night and all of the danger that they face there.
4: Well, and we'll talk about this more in terms of gender dynamics Abroad and at home, I think it also intersects a lot, this idea of women working through the night, taking a graveyard shift and how that uh, intersects with our domestic duties, particularly for moms. Mm -hmm. But before we go any farther... Caroline, you were a former, at least, evening shift worker. Yeah, I am um, right out
0: of college. I worked at a newspaper for four years, and my typical shift was four to midnight. Uh, sometimes I would work five to one. And having come just out of college, it was actually kind of perfect um because it meant that I did not have to get up at 6:30 in the morning to shower and put on fancy clothes. I uh I did still have to wear business clothes, which doesn't make any sense. And Caroline is a very fancy dress in the office by the way. <laughs>
4: That's right. It's usually, you know, a ball gown. Yes, a ball gown. <laughs>
0: lots of sequins. I'm wearing a feather boa right now. Um but yeah, no, know it w- it was great when I first started. Um it wasn't very hard to transition into. But as you would expect, a lot of challenges eventually crop up when you, oh, I don't know, want to date someone. Because what accompanied my crazy hours was also the fact that my weekend was in the middle of the week, which just made relationships impossible. I ended up dating a lot of bartenders. I won't get into that history right now. But you do have issues with feeling sort of out of mainstream society because you totally realize like, oh, wow. okay, society is is built for people who work eight to five and I can go grocery shopping at one o'clock in the morning. And that's great because no one's at Kroger or I can go to the mall at you know, noon and no one's there. But you miss out on a lot. Like, I never, ever got to celebrate Christmas on the day of with my family because of crazy, crazy night shift work, so... They wouldn't even let you off for Christmas? I got Thanksgiving off. It was an either-or situation. Oh. So, oh, but...
4: That's, that's some Scrooge
0: business running running that paper. I know. To be fair, Thanksgiving is way more fun in my family than Christmas is, uh, owing to all of the wine that pours liberally. But, um... As an evening shift worker, I still didn't face quite the difficulties that night shift workers do. People who work 11 to 7 or 12 to 8. Because when I went home, it was dark. You know, it made I would still wake up at like 1030 in the morning. I'd have time to go to the gym and make lunch and take a shower. Go into work at 4 o'clock. Get off work. It's dark. You go to bed two hours after you get home. It, it all makes perfect sense. Um, and I also was working a white collar journalism office job so i also had you know really great benefits and and stuff like that as much as they can be great for a newspaper but um i my evening shift work was not quite the in the same league as a lot of the night shift
4: work that we'll be talking about and significantly for our conversation you didn't have kids at the time that's a huge factor with night shift work um and in fact this is coming from um a book written by uh, Harriet Presser, who's a professor of sociology at the University of Maryland called Living in a 24-7 Economy. 68% of dual earner incomes who have kids under five and earn less than $50,000 have at least one partner working a non-standard schedule. And That gets to a lot of the common reasons for why people work the night shift because uh, not only is it sometimes the nature of the job, such as, you know, if you are a flight attendant, then you have flights that leave and you have to be on them. Um, sometimes it might be more a product of not finding another job with a more standard schedule, but there's also a shift work premium involved. A lot of times night shift workers will make more hourly because it messes up your life. Yeah, because you're working when everybody else is slumbering. And then, of course, another aspect that's
0: tied up with money a lot of the times and also just family is the whole issue of child care. A lot of times if you work at night, but your partner works during the day, then you can kind of tag team and trade off and you don't necessarily have to pay all of that money that goes into daycare.
4: And some people just prefer it. They really enjoy working when the, you know, the workplace might be a little quieter. They can go to the grocery store and no one is there. Um some people are just naturally night owls. Mm-hmm. Um but when it comes to women on the night shift, it's really fascinating how much motherhood is a big Focus And Harriet Presser, that uh, sociologist who wrote the book on this growing night shift economy that we're living in, she said, quote, women don't typically think of themselves as night workers, but society has gotten used to women working in the day as dual earners and now working at night is less deviant. Hence, we're seeing growing numbers of women on the night shift because it used to be more of a, a strictly male blue collar kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and we mentioned childcare a second ago. If you want to get into the stats of that, 26% of night shift workers choose that line of work to make childcare easier. This is coming from a Center for Work-Life Law at University of California and the Center for American Progress. And they found that flexibility schedule-wise saves a lot of money on childcare, saves a lot of time commuting, and you probably don't have to spend all that money on, like, super corporate clothes. Or feather boas, like Caroline or all wears. of my ball gowns and feather boas.
4: Now, when it comes to single moms, um, this was a, st- a statistic out of a uh, really in-depth piece on women in night shift work at Psychology Today. 46% of single moms of young children reported shift or weekend work. And I, I was hoping to actually find more in-depth uh Information and research on single motherhood and night shift work because it is so much more common and it seems even more challenging um, to juggle both of those things. But I have a feeling that for single moms, that appeal of being at home when the kids come home from school mm-hmm. and working while they're asleep is definitely a big draw.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Anita Iltegary looked into this in her book Weaving Work and Motherhood. Uh, She actually interviewed a group of night shift moms about their schedules and why they do it. And she found that kind of across the board, working the night shift allowed women to be, quote, the kind of mothers they want to be. Essentially, that time at home when you work the night shift reflects the same type of pattern that stay-at-home moms have. And this whole thing was cross-cultural. She talked to all different types of women from different backgrounds, and they were all working within sort of this dominant cultural norm and ideal about motherhood that I might be sleep-deprived, I might feel like I'm losing my mind because I'm working the night shift and I'm working the day shift taking care of my children. But at least I'm home and they see me and I'm visible. That whole issue of visibility comes up again and
4: again. Well, and the importance of visibility in terms of this domestic construct of home is where mom is. And she writes that these women are, quote, denormalizing sleep in order to absorb the contradictions of working away from home. And and you see that theme come up again and again. And this is research that was happening in in the mid nineties. And you still see these same themes today Mm -hmm. of working moms who might be forced to work the night shift for economic reasons, which is often a big case, but also moms working the night shift by choice, partially because it sort of, it almost makes them even more super moms because they're like, I can go out, I can make the money, but I can also be here for the kids. I can make their lunches. I can meet them at the bus. I can do all of these things. Yeah.
0: Well, and um, Gary, when she's talking to these women, one of the things that's emphasized so much, which I, as someone who's not a parent, you know, I was struggling to understand. But a lot of these women were not only, you know, striving to be there for their kids. I totally get that. But they were also actively downplaying their employment to their children. And the fact that they even had jobs, which I wasn't I didn't quite put my finger on as as Getting it. I mean, Gary writes about how these women's labor force participation ends up as a result being almost invisible. The fact that they're working. She talked to one woman who was like, I didn't even know that my grandmother worked for 40 years because when we went over to her house and she was baking us cookies, it was just grandma. She was home. She was always there. But this woman had been working for decades and just,
4: you know, downplayed it. Well, I think it goes to the point that only until recently quite recently are we and still becoming more comfortable with the idea of a full-time dedicated working mom Mm -hmm. you know there's still that that conflict sometimes of the stay at home versus the working mom. And I don't want to use the phrase mommy wars because it is the worst. And that's how people talk about it. Um, but there was a 1995 study also in the journal qualitative sociology that looked at night shift nurses and it found similar motivations. Um, it concluded that night shift nurses really thought of themselves as stay at home moms by limiting that public visibility again Caroline it's uh, they sort of work in secret almost they're still highly involved in their kids lives by virtue of the hours that they work and it, it sort of allows them to straddle both worlds which also to me sounds incredibly exhausting
0: yeah you're spread super thin and and it's just interesting that you know these women by and large are choosing to emphasize the visibility of motherhood over the visibility of career, even though they are both. I mean, they're obviously career women. They're they're working a job of whatever kind, blue collar, white collar, whatever. Um, and they're struggling to take care of their children.
4: And speaking of the more white-collar end of the spectrum, uh, there was a piece on this in the New York Times by journalist Jamie Rich talking about what she called a sophisticated subculture of mothers, the new ladies of the evening. And this is really focused on kind of creative class of writers, photographers, but also entrepreneurs and even stay-at-home moms that she lumps into this, taking on night shift work. Basically to extend their work day, or if you're a stay at home mom after everybody goes to sleep, then you stay up to take care of all the family business. Mm-hmm. And, but you still have time to make all the cupcakes. There, there are lots of mentions of walking kids to school, of making cupcakes of PTA or PTO meetings. And, but, but this was framed in, um, in, in a different, like less, Economically motivated kind of way, cause it's like right. they're, they're fine, they're just choosing to do this to really, I mean, it, it kind of does fit again to peddle in unfortunate phrases today, the whole having it all trope.
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of women, too. And I don't know, I can't remember if Rich discussed this or not, but the idea of like, oh, well, I I chose this path because it would help me get a leg up in my career faster. I'd be able to accomplish things that maybe I wouldn't be able to accomplish if I worked during the day or whatever. And just just that general theme of of choice that, you know, I have a a supportive spouse or partner, and um, I'm in a career where I make plenty of money. Um and I can accomplish all this stuff because I'm just I'm just choosing to work at night versus the maybe the blue collar work where a lot of women feel forced to accept jobs like that.
4: Yeah, and and it's interesting to see how this is gonna play out. But that kind of flex time is still distinct from actual shift work where you are going, you know, to your job to complete a specific shift. And in the second half of the podcast, we've got to talk about A lot of red flags that have recently been raised about some of the potential health risks and even maybe relationship downsides that come along with work in the night shift.
0: Can I rant for a sec, please?
2: But let's talk about some of the effects that these jobs actually have on people's
0: lives. For instance, the fact that, and this isn't hard to imagine, a lot of relationships can end up suffering when schedules get wonky.
4: Yeah, sort of the the irony of how motherhood is often a motivation for uh, women working the night shift. Many of them report that while they feel like they're mothering to the very best of their abilities, they never see their husbands or their partners. Um, so there was, for instance, a dated study from 1990 that found that night shift couples have higher rates of divorce. And it's all because of minimizing couple time spent together in favor of taking the night shift that favors the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you also
0: lose friendships when you're on an opposite schedule. I mean, I, I worked an evening shift, didn't work a night shift, but, I mean, my, my friend group was my coworkers, and... uh A woman who was my hairstylist and became my best friend because she also had a weird schedule and kept weird hours and we adored each other and so that worked out. Um, but yeah. You had fabulous hair. Oh, dude. (laughs) Dude. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy to see the fact that like when you're working such a weird schedule, you're very limited in who you can hang out with, especially if you're single. That's why I ended up dating like the worst people because (laughs) my whole dating and friendship pool was, was pretty limited. Limited. Caroline, idea for a new dating app
4: (laughs) for night owls. (laughs) For night owls, yeah. I feel like that would not be You call it after midnight. It won't get shady at all. Oh. Ooh, or maybe I wear my sunglasses at night. Nope, that's too long. Okay. (laughs) Sleep deprivation though, understandably can can kind of tinker with your mood. Because a lot of these women, one thing we didn't mention is how for a lot of these working moms, They slept, they didn't come home from their night shift and then sleep for eight hours. They would come home, take a quick nap, wake up in time to see the kids off, sleep for maybe like four hours, then be back up again to see them when they came home. I mean, they were sleeping in these short bursts and so they accumulated this sleep debt, which As we all know, as anyone who's ever been exhausted beyond belief knows, it can make you a little cranky.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so you're you're yelling at your kids. You're yelling at your spouse. I mean, that doesn't exactly uh, strengthen bonds. And indeed, it might not be so great for parenting. There was a 2013 study of mothers working the night shift that found that the children of these ladies had elevated levels of aggressive and anxious or depressed behavior. So it's it's not like they're bad parents, necessarily. Obviously, they're doing their best. They are probably working. Most likely, they're working this shift to benefit their family. But, man,
4: I mean, when I get sleep deprived, I'm not exactly a pleasant person. No. And then this visibility factor comes up again in in a different way than we talked about earlier in terms of visibility in the labor force and visibility in motherhood. Speaking to psychology today, Carol Lieberman, who's a psychiatrist at UCLA's Neuropsychiatric Institute, who has treated shift workers, said night shift workers begin to feel like second class citizens. They begin to feel invisible for all of those different reasons of just keeping the opposite schedule as everybody else.
0: Yeah, you absolutely feel like you're on the outside looking in, like, oh, how nice that everything is geared towards you people. (laughs) It's
4: like being left-handed, Caroline. Finally, someone can understand my plight. (laughs) Exactly. But at a more basic level, too, though, night shift work can lead to more dangerous commutes. A study out of OSHA found that car crashes account for 22% of work-related deaths, And 7% of those are linked to drowsiness or falling asleep at the wheel. And fatigue can also exacerbate driver inattention, speeding, and running off the road. So you really gotta be careful that you keep your sleep pattern on schedule if possible if you are working the night shift to make sure that you get to and from your place of work safely for yourself
0: and other people on the road. Exactly. And part of that is your whole circadian rhythm. And I, I mean, I generally had an understanding of this before we did this research, but I didn't realize just how just the severe effects that messing with your circadian rhythm could have has a lot of sleep. Impacts. So, of course, your circadian rhythm is basically like, oh, you get up when it's light outside and you get sleepy when it's dark outside. Thanks, melatonin. Well, so messing with your circadian rhythm can lead to, of course, sleep loss, which is even worse for single moms and this feeling of constant exhaustion. But more than that, it can increase your risk for real actual health disorders, things like diabetes, obesity, heart disease, breast cancer, ulcers, depression and, of course, sleep issues.
4: There is a new study published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, which found night shift workers use up less energy, carbohydrates and proteins and burn fewer calories while sleeping, which puts them at an elevated obesity risk. And this is just one of many study findings coming out on the relationships between night shift work. And there's even now something called shift work disorder, which represents a constellation of a lot of these symptoms, a lot of which are linked to sleep loss and less exposure to sunlight and also how working night shifts under artificial light tends to tinker with our melanin production. And melanin is really important because in women, it regulates the pituitary and ovarian hormones, including estrogen, Elevated estrogen levels are linked to higher rates of cancer in women. You're blowing my mind. Like, I had
0: no idea. I had no idea that these things were connected. But we need sun, Caroline. We do need sun. And <laughs> I recently, after after reading this, so I recently was guilted by my neighbors into bringing my plants inside because it's like freaking freezing in Atlanta these days, unseasonably. And uh, I was like, well, what am I going to do? I just have like regular lights. It's not like I have magical vitamin D plant lights in my house. And I was like, oh, wait, but they you don't make have those. hydroponic, have hydroponic setup in your apartment right, for my spider plant. Uh, so I went to Home Depot and sure enough, they do have plant lights that you can screw into a regular bulb. So I got those, plugged them into two different lamps in my kitchen. Plants are happy. But I, after researching for this episode, I was like, hmm. Maybe I should spend more time in my kitchen with the full yes. spectrum plant light. <laughs> do you like? Is it is it calming light? I, I mean, I,
4: I it's to- who am I kidding? It's totally psychosomatic. Is it all the same? Is it kind of like a dog whistle? Like it's it's pretty much invisible.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's great light. I mean the lights the lights fine. And when I put them in, I felt happier. But that could also just be that I felt like I'd finally accomplished something on my to do list. But so this whole cancer thing, I mean, (laughs) to get back into this and get off my plants, I had no idea that there was such a domino effect in terms of uh, things like melanin production, knocking over all of these hormone dominoes, creating a greater risk for cancer. And so in 2007, the World Health Organization's Center for Research on Cancer listed shift work as a possible carcinogen. And on top of that, the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center said that night shift working women were at a 49 percent increased risk of being diagnosed with early stage ovarian cancer.
4: And there has been a lot of media coverage on links between shift work and elevated risk for breast cancer, possibly due to low vitamin D levels from less sunlight exposure, for instance, uh, there have been a lot of studies on this, but there was one from 2012 from Denmark, which found a 40 percent higher risk. And Time magazine reported that the effect was cumulative. Women who worked at least three night shifts a week for six years had twice the risk of breast cancer as those who worked two night shifts. A week and men on the night shift aren't immune from these cancer risks as well. A 2012 study found that men on the night shift have a three times higher risk of being diagnosed with prostate cancer. I mean that's crazy.
0: That's these are significant studies. This isn't just like oh maybe you might want to no this is like dude stop working the night
2: shift
4: or I mean the night shift is not going to go away. It's only growing and growing and growing. Yeah, so is it going to be on employers to I don't know, create facilities in such ways that it either mimics daylight or builds in enough time off to where or, or compensates people. Certainly, I hope they're giving them health care benefits, although I doubt that that's the case since a lot of these workers are hourly. So, mm-hmm. hey, universal health care coverage. There is a bonus. Um so, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a giant question mark. I mean, the WHO declaring it as a possible carcinogen? Yeah, that's, that's hardcore. That's yeah. pretty serious. I mean, there
0: has been research into very specific steps that workers can take to sort of reverse the whole, um, terrible effects that night shift work can have on your circadian rhythms. And this is coming from the American Psychological Association, but those things include on the worker's day off, going to sleep as late as possible. Um, And on a work day, the worker would be exposed to intermittent bright light, They would wear sunglasses on the way home from the night shift and then go to sleep as early as possible. Therefore, trying to sort of even out the differences between your days on and your days off, tricking your brain into thinking, oh, it's this time of the day or it's that time of the day, exposing yourself to light to sort of even out. And it did have a positive effect on the circadian rhythm and on the hormones and everything. But it's still like,
4: oh, it's such a a much greater burden. (laughs) Well, and how realistic is that for most working moms in particular yeah. on the night shift, especially single moms yeah, who are trying to balance all of this stuff together. I mean, and, and there are also additional just basic tips in terms of limiting caffeine, sticking to a routine. Mm-hmm. If you take naps, no more than 15 minutes. Otherwise, it actually makes you more tired um, and catching up on sleep on your days off. But again, I mean, if you have kids in the picture, yeah, and especially if you don't have a partner or spouse in the home as well to pitch in then i mean i, I can't imagine I, I can't imagine juggling all of this and and reading about these moms on the night shift only hammered home to me how incredibly devoted these women were to being the best moms that they could possibly be mm-hmm. because i i can't fathom that kind of schedule on top of responsibility for Little ones, yeah, or even bigger ones. Anyone that is not me, right? Even
0: my dog. Yeah, my um, my sister in law. I don't know what her schedule is now, but she's an ER nurse, and forever she worked the seven p.m. to seven a.m. shift. Um, but I think she worked like only three or four days a week because there were such long shifts.
4: Yeah, there was there was an overnight pharmacist that we read about who worked seven days on. Seven to seven, I think. And then seven days off. So I could see something like that where you have a long, long enough time off. Uh, I think this happens a lot, too, with like EMT workers. You have an enough time off to where you can actually catch up on your sleep. But
0: I just wonder, I mean, and I don't know, I just wonder if that's better or worse. My mother is a flight attendant who flies to Germany every month and... You know, that's enough to get your whole sleeping schedule out of whack. And when she comes home, it's, mom, I love you. She's not right for like a day or two because she still has to, she's getting reacclimated to Eastern Standard Time after being in Germany. And then a week later she'll go out again and repeat the process and, you know while she hasn't had any of the significant, like specifically cancer effects that we've talked about here. I mean, it's, it's, it's not good for you to be messing with your sleep cycle so much. Right. So then the
4: question is, well, what do you do? Because some people have to have these jobs. These jobs are not going to go away. These jobs are very much needed, especially in a global economy. Mm -hmm. So how are we going to make sure that we keep night shift
0: workers healthy? Well, I think it needs to be recognized as the important health and life factor that it is. And and in one of the sources we read, they talked to a consultant who works for a company called, uh, I think it's just called Circadian or something like that, where their whole entire purpose is to help equip companies to become part of the 24-hour global workforce. And so... In my limited opinion, I mean, it it might take having a company like that or a group of consultants like that go into these companies and be like, here's how you have to treat your employees. Here's what you have to give them or allow for them to do. Give them these bright, special, full spectrum lights. But I mean, in reality, that's, that's great if you're in a call center, if you are at a corporate job, if you're working the night shift at a newspaper, for instance. Um, but how realistic is that if you are part of a custodial staff? You know, I mean, there's, there's steps that can be taken for sure, but I think the big first step is just to realize what a horrific, uh, health effect that working the night shift can
4: have. Yeah. And I think it also uh, is imperative that More visibility is put on these workers because for, you know, the the majority of us working daytime. Shifts, jobs, mm-hmm. they are, they're invisible and we kind of take their services for granted in yeah. many ways because we come back to the office after, you know, a full night's sleep and look, the, someone took the trash out and we go to, you know, we go to dinner and look, someone is cleaning our dishes. We don't have to do that. So there's, yeah, there's, there's a lot more attention that needs to be paid. And, and if anything, this, these health findings are so arresting that it's gotten a lot of media attention, so hopefully um, it will continue to get media attention.
0: Well, I mean, I feel like it even ties into things we've talked about on the podcast before. And in ter- if you want to go broader in terms of better flex hours and child care options for families, because oh, God, yes. God, if you no matter what your job is, blue collar, white collar, whatever, if you had super secure, affordable uh, child care. Then maybe you wouldn't have to work the graveyard shift.
4: Right. Or if you do, there was one overnight daycare center that we read about in all of the, the articles that, uh, we read researching for this podcast. Just, just one, just one. And that wasn't, and people were very uncomfortable even with the, you know, a, a lot of parents treated it as a last resort. They mm-hmm. don't want to, you know, have other people watching their kids while they sleep.
0: And then when you get off work, let's say at two in the morning, you still have to go wake your kid up at two AM and drag her home, you yeah. know, so you're waking your kid up, so
2: Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee
3: just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.
4: Yeah, it's challenging. And I have a feeling there are probably some night shift workers listening. I know that we've heard from some night shift folks before who listen to podcasts Mm -hmm. to get them through that the, those quieter, darker hours. So first of all, if you are working the night shift, this is our shout out to you. And we also would love it if you shouted us out. What is it like working the night shift? What kind of job do you work? Why do you work it? And have you seamlessly integrated it into the rest of your life? Or have you experienced these kinds of health disruptions, schedule disruptions? Let us know what it's like on the night shift. MomStuff at HowStuffWorks.com is our email address. You can also tweet us at Podcast and message us on Facebook. And we've got a couple of messages to share with you right now. So I've got a letter here from Laura on our episode about whether catcalling is harassment. And we have been getting so many letters on this one. So Laura writes... I just finished listening to your episode on catcalling on my drive to work this morning. I'm a Midwestern transplant to a southern city and work as an engineer. What up, Semfields? In a manufacturing facility in a small southerner town. As an educated female Yankee, I often feel out of place. While listening to the episode, I was thinking back on instances when I may have been catcalled. I couldn't think of a single instance where I'd been particularly rattled, but definitely felt like strangers have told me to put a smile on my face. But then, while walking back to my office from the manufacturing floor just a few minutes ago, a male shop employee that I don't know told me to, quote, "...smile. There's no need to look so gloomy." Unfortunately, my instant reaction when people talk to me is to usually smile, so I grinned immediately, and he looked pleased. After I would processed what he had said, I scowled and stalked off. I usually do my morning rounds with a male engineer, but he wasn't able to join me this morning, so I was by myself for a change. We've walked past the same person nearly every morning, and he's never made any inappropriate remarks when I was with someone else. Do you have any suggestions for how I should have better handled the situation? A major part of my job is to improve communication and trust between the engineering department and the manufacturing floor, so I've always tried to be very neutral in my exchanges with everyone at work. This was not an instance that I felt unsafe, just annoyed. I don't think it would be worth the confrontation to go back to the employee and tell him he was out of line, but I definitely want to be prepared the next time. So that's a great question, especially when it comes to the whole smile thing, because it seems so benign. And yet as someone, I mean, I've, I can relate. I've been told to smile and it was. the last thing I wanted to do at that moment it was infuriating but if you're in a management position and especially if you you know you have a communications kind of role what do you do Um, he said smile there's no need to look so gloomy maybe she could have just said I'm not gloomy I'm just doing my job And then smile. Yeah,
0: or I'll smile, or keep doing your job and I'll smile. Or something.
4: Keep doing a great job and I'll smile. Yeah, I'll smile when you keep doing your job. Yeah, I think it is, especially in a situation like this in the workplace and especially being in a management position, it might be one of those sort of, uh, what is it? Catch a fly with honey. That's not how the cliche goes, but you know what I mean? Like I don't, I think you're right. I mean, if you turned around and tried to confront him about it, probably not a good idea but but yeah keeping the focus on the work instead of maybe
0: calling someone out for their inappropriate i mean obviously there are different types of inappropriate behavior but in this instance i think keeping the focus on just the work and saying something to the effect of um i'll smile when you get the job done
4: yeah and maybe uh you could have even said too in uh in response to smile there's no need to look so gloomy you could have said well, there's no, no need for you to worry about my facial expressions. I, I think that's a great one. Yeah. So hope that helps, Laura, and keep doing what you're
0: doing, lady. Okay, I have a letter here from Cliff, uh, who just recently started listening to our podcast, Kristen. Hey, Cliff. And Cliff says, as I do the mundane computer processing that my job requires, I find that listening to your podcast makes my day go faster, and once in a while I actually learn something. One other thing. I am male. Uh, this wouldn't normally mean much, but to understand what follows, it probably helps to know this. Recently, I was listening to your podcast, Is Cat Calling Harassment at Work? I was interrupted by my team leader with an unrelated question, and after I answered her question, the conversation continued. I mentioned what I was listening to and that I found it really interesting. Seems I'm always promoting the podcast nowadays. Her reply stunned me when she said, oh, people complaining about that again? I asked her what she meant, and she said, Those guys are only complimenting the girls, and these women should lighten up. I proceeded to offer some of the examples your podcast presented, such as the 2005 event you cited where a man was masturbating on the street in front of the woman he was harassing. She said that was of course wrong, and he deserved whatever punishment he ultimately received, but that was certainly a rare case. Most men who do the catcalling are only trying to give the girls a compliment, she said. I let the subject drop at this point. I bring this up because it is evidence to me that this isn't just men who need to be made aware of how this harassment demeans the victim. There are a lot of women who just seem to not get it either. Enough said. Keep up the good work because I'll be listening. So thank you, Cliff. I, I hate your story, but I, I really appreciate
4: you, uh, you sending it to us. Yeah, and I absolutely agree 100% that this is not just an issue of educating men. It's an issue of educating everybody. Yep. And that's usually the case with most of the socio-cultural gender topics that we talk about, where it's, it's not just women pointing a finger outside. We gotta to preach to our own choir as well. So keep the letters coming, everybody. Mom stuff at is our email address. And to find links to all of our social media as well as all of our blogs, videos, and podcasts, including this one. There's one place to go, and it's stuff mom never told For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com
3: Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. What kind of fun is waiting for you at King's Island? The holy cow, we're
0: way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at King's Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun.
1: Don't wait to start your fun season. Kings Island is now open on weekends.